The Old, Test the Old Testament reading is from Genesis 18, chapters 1 through 10. And the Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves and after that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, Quick, three says of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? And he said, She is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's epistle reading comes from Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 through 29. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make, no to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 10th chapter. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. 
This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Be seated. The text for our meditation today is our gospel reading from Luke chapter 10. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And here we see an example of Middle Eastern hospitality. Uh, we have images in our minds, I suppose. We, we understand some of that uh, hospitality of that time and that place, even today. The importance of welcoming a stranger into your home. I, 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 there's this scene that sticks with me from some movie I watched when I was a kid with my parents, I'm sure. Uh, and it was out there in the east uh, and... Uh, like in Arabia or someplace like that. And, and uh, a, a traveler came. Uh, this was the hero of the story, of course, but came to a, a, a tent, little tent community out there in the desert. They didn't know him. But the, the sheik there invited the person in to their home, into their tent there. And they sat on the cushions and, and he fed this stranger with all of this wonderful food and they entertained the stranger and all that. And then, of course, the villains came along who were after this person. And they came to the sheik's tent and they went inside and they said, you've got to turn this person over to us. They're a bad person. And the, the sheik didn't say, look, give me the facts. What has this person done wrong? Didn't ask the, the stranger if the accusations were true. He says, I can't turn him over to you. We've, we've shared a meal together. He's under my protection. Just kind of an example of that. Hospitality means a little more than, than what it means to us, I think. Hospitality is important to us, too. But it carries a great weight there. And, and Martha invites this stranger. Maybe she has heard Jesus speak. Uh, we're not told. But invites Jesus. And I think likely the disciples are with him. Into her home. We see another example. Of that hospitality in Genesis 18. Abraham is sitting there at the. At, at the entrance to his tent, probably under a canopy in the, the heat of the day, it says. And he looks up and he sees off a little, just, just over there, three men standing there, probably looking at Abraham. And uh, does Abraham size them up? <laughs> does he wonder who they are? Does he um, think about, uh, are these good people or bad people? No, nothing like that. He jumps up, he runs to them. And he says, uh, come on in. Please stop. Stay here. He bows himself down into the dirt, uh, welcomes them with great hospitality. He says, I'll bring water. I'll wash your feet. Uh, we'll share food for a meal. He calls it a morsel, but it's not, you know. And then uh, they, uh, they agree, and so they stop there, and, and he runs inside three sayas of flour. They, they think that's about 21 quarts of flour. So this is not a, 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 a morsel. <laughs> this is a lot of bread that Sarah is in there now making and kneading and baking. He runs out to the flock. 
Uh, pick a good one. Here's a good calf, a young calf that's going to be tender and good. Now fix this one up real quickly here for me. And it says he goes in, uh, he brings milk and curds and curds. I had to look up. If you're from Wisconsin, you probably know what curds are right away. Curds are like, well, they're, they're cheese bits, but this is probably like a cottage cheese. And so then I'm kind of surprised that it doesn't mention maple syrup because that goes so well with cottage cheese. You've got to put maple syrup on your cottage cheese. Let's see, where was I now? I'm thinking about cottage cheese. Oh, uh, so Abraham makes this great feast for these visitors, puts it before them, strangers, simply because they came to him. So we go back to Martha. She's out there in the village maybe going about her business. Uh, you know, John tells us, his gospel tells us it's the village of Bethany, of course, where Mary and Martha and Lazarus, we haven't met any of them yet. This is the first time that Jesus and Martha and Mary have met. There's no mention of Lazarus. He may have been off somewhere on business or something else. But uh, Martha is out there. Maybe she's buying food or she's in the marketplace or she's visiting a relative or something like that. We don't know. Uh, but picture her maybe on the way back to the house and she meets Jesus. Maybe again, maybe she overhears something that he's saying or something like that. And uh, she knows that he's a stranger. It's a small village. And so she invites him into their home. Now their home was not small. They were not poor. They were fairly well off. She invites him to come in and she invites him to receive their hospitality. And Jesus and the disciples probably, they come to Martha's home and um, they, they, Martha starts preparing food. And Martha has a sister. And Martha probably imagines as they're walking to the house, Mary will help me. This will be okay. We'll throw some food together. Maybe she's got Abraham in mind. I don't know. But where's Mary? <laughs> Mary is not doing what Martha thinks is a good idea. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to Jesus. Maybe Martha started there too. Maybe they were there for an hour. Who knows? And then Martha says, oh, look at the time. I'd better start supper. And she jumps up. Mary is not coming with her. And Martha starts getting concerned. Martha's going about. She's getting the meal ready. There's a lot of work that goes into that preparation. Bread has to be put together, kneaded. Fire has to be kindled or, or cared for. Uh, the vegetables have to be washed. Maybe they're boiled. Maybe they're steamed. A hundred other details. You know what that's like to be hospitable to somebody, to have company coming over. And the, sometimes the hours of preparation that you go through to get the house ready, to get the food ready, so that everything's nice. When the person comes, you can visit and have time with them or something like that. They didn't have stores. They didn't have refrigerators. Think about how much more difficult it would have been back then. So Martha busies herself in the kitchen. She's trying to show hospitality to Jesus. She's trying to serve him. And what's Mary doing? Why isn't she helping me? And I, I can just imagine, just picture Martha back and forth. Uh, you can see her through the doorway, back and forth in the kitchen, <clears throat> stopping every now and then to look out, try and catch Mary's eye, right? Hey, <laughs> you know? Maybe closing the cupboards a little louder, banging some pots a little bit, right? To try and get her, her uh, attention there. 
And finally, you know, it's too much for Martha. She's already given the biggest hint she can. Mary, where did we put those kebab sticks? Yeah. No, it didn't work. Mary didn't come. Finally, it's too much. And she goes up to Jesus. And she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. And Martha expects Jesus to do that, just that. I mean, after all, in that culture, think about the role of men and women and that kind of thing. Mary should be in the kitchen helping Martha instead of sitting here. Uh, the, the women did not go to um, school, right, at the, at the uh, synagogue. Uh, just the men did that. Right? That was their role. And so what does Mary think? That she is able to sit and be taught by the teacher. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. The Greek there just says one thing. So it's not but one thing is necessary, it is only one thing is what Jesus is saying. Only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now, it might be easy to make this into a uh, Martha bad, Mary good kind of comparison. There, there are ways to compare that, but what Martha is doing is not a bad thing. Martha in the kitchen getting things ready, this is not a bad thing. I think about Abraham, right? Abraham asks the Lord, you know, he doesn't know it's the Lord at the time, I don't think, but he says, he says, uh, stop and stay, we'll do this. And they say, the three men there say, go and do it. Right? It's not a bad thing. We're not trying to say that Martha is bad in this respect, but Jesus does um, gently admonish her. Right? Abraham and, Mara, and Sarah were doing Martha things. But what's the standout in the, in the Old Testament reading? See, what, what is the important thing in that whole reading there? Is it the way that they served these three strangers, which turned out to be the Lord? And, and, and um, you hear that in, in what the one says. He says, uh, I will return to you and your wife will have a son. Now this has been years since that son had been prophesied. Um, Ishmael is already a teenager at this time. And the prophecy came before that, that they would have a son, Abraham and Sarah. They took it into their own hands, and that's why there's Ishmael. So it's been a long time, but the Lord visits them. What's the takeaway? The very last verse of our reading is the takeaway. And the Lord says... I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. If you read on, this is where Sarah laughs and Jesus, uh, the, the Lord says, um, why did your wife laugh? And Sarah says, I didn't laugh. And the Lord says, uh, yes, you did laugh. <laughs> it's great. If you want to go back and read that, it's a great story. But the important takeaway in that reading is not Abraham's serving although that's wonderful, but it is rather the promise, the, con the confirmation of the promise, the serving that God is going to do to Abraham to send that son.
It's not wrong that Martha is serving, but her serving is distracting her from Jesus, from the child of promise. Distracting her from Jesus, distracting her from his word, from his teaching. It became about her and about her hospitality and how things were going, and it's not going to be the way I want it to be. Mary, come help me. But I dare say that this is a great source of temptation for us too. It's possible, even as we serve our families, even as we serve our neighbor, even as we serve the church, it's possible that our eyes are distracted, that our hearts are distracted, that, that we take our eyes off of Jesus, that we don't sit at his feet and listen to his teaching because of all of the daily duties and the thousands of things that we're thinking about. I'm talking about good things, too. Those things aren't bad things. Tasks that have to be done. Service that needs to be rendered to our family or to others. But it's possible that they so distract us that we're drawn away from the feet of our Lord. We fail to listen to his teaching. So what keeps you? What keeps you from prayer every day? What is it that's so important that, that, that you can't set aside time for devotion each day? Are you so busy with sermon prep that you can't spend time in prayer? And I say it that way because it affects me too, just like it affects you. You know, I, I do a lot of Bible reading for my sermon prep or for Bible study prep or something like that. But that's different than devotional time. It's different than my just reading the Bible or my setting aside time for prayer. If I pray for you, if I pray for my family, if I pray for things, but to set aside time for me in prayer, these are difficult things for me too. And the temptations and the distractions of the world and the daily uh, activities that go on affect me just like they affect you. So when I talk to you, I'm talking to myself. And it's always like that whenever I preach a sermon. We are no different, you and I. We have the same struggles, same temptations, the same voices trying to draw us away from the feet of our Savior, from the words of his teaching. Jesus says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus has come to serve us. And the psalm that's assigned for today is Psalm 27. And it's, it got some very familiar verses. I'm just going to read a few of those verses to you. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? One thing have I asked, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, of Yahweh, all the days of my life. And here I'm picturing Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. And in doing that, she is dwelling in the house of the Lord. The last verse in that psalm says, Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. And I read that to you because it talks about the passive reception of God's serving us. It's wait for the Lord, dwell in his house, listen to his teaching, 
It's all passive. It's not about our serving Him, it's about His serving us. Paul says it this way, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul counts all of it, all things, as rubbish because there's only one thing that's necessary when you're a sinful human being. And that one thing is the Savior. That one thing is Jesus. God has given us the one thing needful, His Son. And in Christ, God serves us with the forgiveness of our sins that we require, even forgiving us when we get so wrapped up that we don't set aside time for Him to read His Word, to pray. Time when we don't sit at Jesus' feet. God forgives all of it whenever we ask. And this is the hospitality that God greets us with, that He gives to us so lovingly, so willingly, so abundantly. He brings us to the waters of baptism. And he washes us clean. And he prepares a meal for us, the body and blood of his son. Jesus is the child of promise, the promise given to Adam and Eve, the one who would come and who would crush Satan's head, who would rescue us from death and the grave, which is what our sins deserve. All out of his great mercy and love. I said this is the first meeting of Mary and Martha with Jesus. But later Mary will serve Jesus. She'll anoint his feet for burial. She'll wipe his feet with her hair. Because she saw in Jesus the one thing needful. And her gift to Jesus was out of the thankfulness of her heart. So the gifts that we bring come out of the thankfulness of our hearts, whether it's our tithes and offerings or our time or our service to the church or our service to our family or our service to our neighbor. All of it, if it is done in faith, is done for Christ. And all of it out of thankfulness for what Christ has done for us. May the Holy Spirit continue to direct us to sit at the feet of Jesus, to listen to his teaching, to allow him to serve us with word and sacrament, thanking him in our prayers and in our service to others because he came not to be served but to serve, giving his life as a ransom for us. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.